This is the Krillcast. I am Chris. I'm Will. I'm John, Game Ready One. And if you happen to be a Google Stadia fan or, you know, wanting to get a next gen console, yeah. this is the video for you to watch. Because oh, we're going to talk say, about those things. Now. <laughs> yeah, tune out now. So uh, today is what, Will? It is a Manic Monday. And who's our guest below here? We got Gamester81. Why don't you tell everybody about your channel? Uh, yeah. uh, was I supposed to say that? I was you were. I, you just left me hanging, so I just rolled with <laughs> he, it. He gave you a, a softball. You're supposed to you know, hit it. You, missed, you swung and missed. No, I'm sorry. Uh, so, no, my name's John, Gamester81. I've got a channel on, on YouTube, of course, Gamester81. Um, and I cover just rare console reviews and retro gaming and everything gaming. We have a lot of fun on it. So, appreciate you guys checking it out. Absolutely. And if you guys have not already done so, make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash gamester81 and you'll get all the greatest content of retro gaming you could find on, on the interwebs. Also, check out his game that they've produced under Collector Vision. Sydney and the... controller the... is blasphemy, by the way. <laughs> Watch the 64 one? Yeah, yeah, you're not a fan of it? Blasphemy. <laughs> so Sydney no, Hunter so and... Much more comfortable, but I love the N64. It is a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I was throwing up an... Throwing up another softball there, Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Curse of the Mayan. There we go. Curse of the Mayan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All the good stuff. No, you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> Definitely go check out the game produced by Collector Vision Games. Um, worth your time. And we will be uh, hopefully live streaming it at some point in the near future to show you guys what it's all about. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. So the first topic, first quick topic, is that Krata, which I had never even heard of before I found out it was leaving the Google Stadia exclusivity, um, is apparently leaving the Google Stadia exclusivity to come to PC later this year. So what is Krata? This is apparently the launch trailer of it. It's got kind of like a Fortnite-y feel looking yeah, thing to like it. Yeah, it looks like Fortnite, yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks, yeah. But it also has got like oh, that... Oh, uh, it's Fortnite. The dance movie? Yeah. If you saw, it's got like the mini games, though. It's got that... Uh, what's that kitchen game? Fortnite. I saw it. No, what's that kitchen game, oh, though? Gosh. You're all trying to run around the kitchen and collect Oh, food. Cookie Mama? No, that's not it, either. It's uh, Overcooked. It's a overcooked. It's a bunch of mini games and stuff, right? Oh, my Crafting. gosh. This is supposed to be Roblox, but like a Fortnite oh, version yeah. of Roblox. It's like Minecraft and it meets... Yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay. It's basically just like... Project Spark, but mixed with Fortnite and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, I guess this is coming to PC. So if you were ever like jealous of the people on Stadia, now you know you're going to be getting your own version of this on Steam in the near future. So, yeah, cool. I think the fact that you didn't even know about this game when we cover gaming every week, I think that tells you all you need to know. <laughs> this enough. is like a game my kids would love. They have seven year old twins, and this is their style of game where like you. You want to do these mini games, and you know that's. I mean, obviously, it's geared towards the younger audience, so I'm not surprised neither of us heard of it. So, oops, that's not it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I learned my lesson about typing in scalping image search. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh man! So apparently, um, <laughs> I don't know. How I recover from that one. Okay. So PS5 stock was bought by scalpers before the units even listed for sale. How are we ever going to get next-gen consoles online? Well, the answer is you're probably not. So you might as well go to brick and mortar at this point and get your consoles that way. Well, you know, every time I go to Walmart, they're like, oh, you got to go online to get it. You know, and even GameStop's told me that too. They're like, oh, go online and get it. So I was like, can't get online, can't get in person. I think it'll be probably until May until we get more stock, to be honest. I saw one in the wild at Meijer. And I had a fleeting moment where I was like, I'm here to get groceries, but (laughs) 
And I was like, right. nah, I'm good. And then they, they just haven't had them in stock ever since. Uh, yeah. I think but they it's... should only sell them in brick and mortar stores. That would, that would help with the scalpers. But Or they could just wait until they actually have enough numbers and like wait a couple months to s- sell this. And then sell a whole bunch at once. So you, I... like, you, people can't get it. I've even been on like the Sony site when they're like, "Oh, come on this hour at four o'clock," and you know, it always crashes on me every time. And you you put in your, I've even had it in my 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 I checkout box, you know, like I put in my my empty box, whatever. I check out and like it crashes, not able to to process this. Ugh. But I refuse to pay a thousand dollars or more for a PS5. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, nobody should do that. In fact, if anybody is willing to do that, as somebody stated in a previous episode, he's like. You are the problem because if you'll right. pay a thousand dollars, then scalpers will keep buying them and reselling them for yep. you. Oh, and, and you see these pictures of people on eBay, they have like 10 of them, right? It's so frustrating. The thumbnail, yeah, it's no. like 10 of them stacked together. I'm I like, hate that they have the picture of that. more in the background, Ugh. right? Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Like you it's said, like, though, to your point, Chris, like you're, if you're buying it, you're the ones feeding the problem, right? So yeah. it's all supply and demand. So. Yep. If you're willing to buy a scalped console for twice the price, then they'll keep buying it and selling it to you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we kind of talked about this, and, and and this is out of order for when we recorded it, but we, we kind of brought this up on our Friday episode that you guys will see four days from now. But the Analog <laughs> Pocket, um, something that sold out immediately and probably some scalping going on there too, I have no idea. Um, there was limited stock, and it's going to be apparently released in May of this year. Um, the hype for this console is very high because it can play the following games. And it's going to require some adapters for some of these. But right out of the box, it'll play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. And then I think adapters would be required for the Game Gear, the Neo Geo Pocket Color, TurboGrafx-16, and the Atari Lynx. And apparently SD cards, um, whatever they can put on there for that. So, um, and I, I realized after I put this out there that I had left the KF console link there. So you can't actually click that to go to the <laughs> analog pocket on our outline here. But that's fine. I'm sure you guys knew how to find this thing. Um, <laughs> so what do you guys think about the analog pocket? How do you guys feel about the idea of a re-released kind of high-end Game Boy? I, I love these FPG. I mean, I love these these consoles that the analog does. The quality is amazing. I've got the the Super Nintendo one, the NES, and the uh, the Genesis one they have, and they're they're incredible because they're, they're they play out the actual games and uh, they're just you know you can do things that you can kind of do with emulation with the uh, the graphics and stuff. It's really cool. I think it's really well made. Yeah, I absolutely love this little guy because it looks just like the Game Boy Color, and that's my favorite mm-hmm. handheld. So, I don't know. I'm definitely getting this. <laughs> I'm a little sad about the price, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, here's the adapters. More. That's what I was telling I you. About more before. available because, like you said, they, they sold out quickly, and it's probably mm-hmm. like we're going to have scalpers probably selling this thing for twice as much, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think How day much one, they... people were selling these for twice as much. <laughs> right. I think the prospect, though, of being able to play Game Boy uh, Advance, Game Boy Color games on something other than the Game Boy Player for the GameCube is highly desirable for a lot of the gaming community who owns Game Boys and Game Boy Color games and Game Boy Advance games because there aren't a lot of options for the general community to play those games right. on a TV, especially not you know, uh, in a legal manner, let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this, apparently, when you dock it, you can use a Bluetooth controller with the dock and the console together and play it on the TV. And that's always yeah, kind cool. of fascinated me because I love the mm-hmm. idea of being able to just pop in an HDMI cord to a modern TV and play these games. It's like the Switch. 
Yeah. Yep. For old games. <laughs> For old games, yeah. That is kind of funny that they've taken the time to put all these console games on the Switch, but none of the portable market, like they don't have Pokemon Yellow on there. They don't have, you know, Pokemon Red and Leaf Red or Leaf Green and Fire Red or any of those Game Boy Advance games on the Switch. It's kind mm-hmm. of funny when you think about it because they could easily do that. Yeah, well, I was trying to buy uh, the Minish Cap the other day and I realized you can't buy any of those games. It's very frustrating. <laughs> So who is this console for then? Is it more for Me. the general public or is it more for like more no, more of the hardcore gaming end. market? It's no analog is definitely the high end. I mean they, their very first console, if you guys remembered, was a wooden uh Neo Geo that they released. It was like card of wood and super expensive. They don't even sell it anymore. So these are obviously high end. This is like the Porsche or you know, the Mercedes Benz <laughs> of, of, of of console gaming, in my opinion. You know, if you want the the Hondas, you know, you maybe get a Hyperkin, <laughs> right? You know, and then you want a Mercedes, you you get an analog. It's my that's kind of <laughs> analogy, I I say, you know. And everybody that's I, I've seen have one of these online. They're always just talking about how high the quality is of what they produce yeah. with the FPGA boards. It's like near perfect um, uh, clone of the original hardware. Something interesting on a side note, FPGA. Speaking of which, uh, Collector Vision Games we released. I don't know if you guys are aware, uh, a new ColecoVision clone that's FPGA. They can play really? also Atari 2600 games. Yeah, it's called the ColecoVision Phoenix. Um, and it's uh, it's smaller, much smaller than the actual console, but just going through the work of, of getting the boards, and we've we've sold our first batch already, and uh, those have been made and shipped. Now we're working on our second batch, and this will probably be our only batch left that we do. So they're super limited, but uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the ColecoVision console or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah. all HD, and they got it comes oh. with SD card slot. So I think FPGA is cool for retro gaming. It's it's not really emulating because you're using the cart, but it just definitely enhances the graphics and all that good stuff too. It's great. Probably a lot of what people don't understand about um, FPGAs is that the the way it emulate it, it doesn't emulate. It's it's literally hardware piece by piece um, recreation of the original board. Right, it's a field right. programmable gator array, so you could program it to be whatever board you want it to be. But it is near perfect clone emulator, clone, clone of the hardware you're you're trying to play. So, right, right. I don't know. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on FPGAs, but it is really cool technology. I had a friend of mine that yes. used to work for a company that designed FPGAs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, let me see here. So, what other portable machines exist like this? You know, knockoff Game Boys or or other types of there. There aren't I, I can think of as far as like Game Boy clones. Um, there aren't many, unless you consider the handheld emulation machines. Something, you know, mm. those are out there. The only one I can remember that I'd like to just highlight here because it was quite hilarious to me when it came out originally or when it was originally um, announced was the uh, Hyperkin Smart Boy. Do you guys remember this thing? Did it ever did it ever come out? It did no. come out in very limited out. quantities, and it was only for Android. That's why I didn't get it because I don't know. Oh Android. yeah. And what this actually did okay. was it would it would um, download the cart to a memory file on the con on the um, on the actual phone, and then essentially it would use the touchscreen of the phone using the capacitive uh, touch with the buttons on the game, the actual uh, hardware. The couple of people I saw online that reviewed this thing were like, yeah, it's not really worth it. <laughs> but it's an interesting concept, cool. but yeah, I could see how it'd be kind mm-hmm. of hard to... Because what if your phone is bigger than, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like it's a one-size-fit-one kind of size? 
<laughs> I think it's not one size fits all. I think it expands, yeah. but I'm not hundred percent positive. I think it does because you see here it's like a little smaller, and you see here it looks a little wider. I think the back plate will actually separate a little bit, so it'll fit bigger and smaller. But um, yeah. phones. This is, emula- this is emulation, though. One hundred percent emulation. Yeah. 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 I just thought it was an interesting concept. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be cool to see an Android device that uh, could run Game Boy games, but that would also be emulation, like where it would literally physically run the Game Boy games. I think what about the, the little handheld that has the crank? Is it only playing original games, or is that also emulation? You don't remember what we talked about this, do you, Will? I do. I remember talking about it. I don't remember the, the, the uh, conversation. Um, panic. <laughs> the uh, wasn't it by Panic? Was the name? I can't remember. Game Panic or something like that. Panic handheld. You know what I'm talking This thing. Yeah, there it is. Playdate. Oh. Playdate. There we go. Yeah, that does not run anything but Playdate games, Will. FYI. Okay. All right. It's interesting looking, yeah. Huh. That's cool. Like, I have no idea how that little crank thing is going to work, but... It's meant to be like a forward progress type thing. So you can go forward progress by spinning it one way, backwards progress spinning it the other way. And it's basically only utilized in their um, main featured platforming game that they have, but they're planning to use it more in the future. Uh, I don't know when this thing's actually coming out, but I think it was either 100 or $150. It was a little bit expensive, but it's not meant for every single gamer out there. It's meant for a specific crowd. Yeah, right. So. Crazy. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to say about the analog pocket? Anybody in this group conversation going to be getting one? I hope so, but I'm not paying twice as much for it. I'm not going to pay for it. Yeah. For it. So um, we'll see. Hopefully it comes available. Hopefully they're, I think they're smart enough to maybe have, maybe that's why they're waiting five months to release it. Is maybe they're getting more stock, hopefully mm-hmm. in, in stock. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. And if you're interested in the ColecoVision, check out the Collector Vision Phoenix video game system. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And uh, I want to thank Mr. GameStreet81 for being on this channel with us. It's been a blast talking to you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm John. And we will see you on next Curlcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krill Cast. <laughs> you okay there, Chris? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I'm Chris. And I'm Will, and he's clearly on something. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Okay. No. no. <laughs> um, let's see. Here. So. <laughs> If you didn't watch yesterday's video, we had GameStreet81 on, really great guest, and he's on the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes, but today is Tuesday, and we will be covering a previous guest of the show. In fact, a week ago, yeah. we did a videos with him, and that is the Talking Sock, the biggest Talking Instead Sock of, uh, on YouTube. Tuber Tuesday, it's Tube Sock Tuesday. <laughs> That's uh-huh. a great idea. Yeah, Tube Sock <laughs> Tuesday. Okay, so Talking Sock. Uh, since we don't have a guest to talk about their channel, why don't you guys consider subscribing to our channel, which I never shout out anymore. Mm-hmm. That's youtube.com slash thekrillcast, because we're the only Krillcast, and mm-hmm. we're the only channel where you can get the all the greatest only. all the greatest interviews from uh, you know creators like Roanoke Gaming and, uh, in a nutcase from Twitter, Hard for Games, uh, LaRue, Wow Such Gaming, even though that one's got a robot. Hidden Xperia, same token, Tallest Thomas. 
Forge Labs. I always forget to highlight that one, you know. Smash JT, OEB Pete, the Rocket Sloth team, Chris Raygun, and uh, Eckhart Slatter. You know, a lot of cool people, Installation Zero Zero. So check us out sometime when you get a chance. All right, so getting back into the Talking Sock. Talking Sock, what is the Talking Sock known for? And I realize now being a that sock that talks. It's pretty obvious what he's known for. So he's got 5.27 subscribers, 5.27, 5.27K subscribers at the time of making this video. The channel was created on June 16, 2020, so he's only been around for about eight months. He has currently over half a million views. And if you want to find him, yeah, go to youtube.com slash a talking sock. That's A-T-A-L-K-I-N-G-S-O-C-K. So what does this about me say? It says game reviews, discussions, puppet shorts, and more, all with one arm tied behind me. <laughs> Follow <laughs> me on Instagram and Twitter, a talking mm-hmm. sock. Although on Twitter it's actually at sock talking. So there's that. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is what is he known for? Short meme videos with puppets and socks and all those fun things. Um, you can see that in his video titled uh, Oni Plays right here, where he's got tons of random and cool puppets that he's done stuff with. See, so you can see a couple of highlights there. All right. He's also known for the Oni Plays animated series, which is also highlighted in this video. There you go. He's known for game reviews from a pretty unique perspective. He's a big fan of Custom Robo, which is uh, not somebody you find every single day of the week. And he's a mm-hmm. very genuine and authentic talking sock on the internet. Probably the only one I've ever talked to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Definitely the nicest sock I've talked to. <laughs> Will, what other socks have you talked to? <laughs> Man, I have conversations with, you know, all sorts of people. <laughs> All right, so what was his first video? It's What's Next for Nintendo Racing Games. Um, And if you never watched this video, he basically highlights the history of Nintendo Racing Games and what he believes will be coming next on Nintendo's racing games, like Mario. Diddy Kong Racing 2. Live Circuit is one of those interesting uh, games that they've come out with recently. Now, the question I have, and maybe we can discuss this with the Talking Sack in the future, is... Where's the next F-Zero game? <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's a different story. All right. What is his most popular video? It happens to be an Oni Plays oh, video. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were asking me a question. Oni Plays Animated. It's called I'm a Little Girl and I Won't Get Spotted. And it's 95,000 views. So released last September. And these Oni Plays videos tend to be very, very popular on his channel. So he keeps mm-hmm. making them, and I'm sure he enjoys doing it because it's quite creative to put all of these various socks together and puppets and yeah, animations. Look and characters, and yeah, pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, what do we like about a talking sock? So, I'll start it. I'll start it. Okay. I love his first? I love his breakdowns. Uh, I, honestly, I subscribe more for his gaming content than his memes. I know I'm probably in the smaller crowd of people that have subscribed to him, but I really enjoyed his video about 10 robot games that failed. That was really great. Um, I like his videos like that, where they're more long-form commentary on gaming. But his meme videos are pretty hilarious. I mean, when you talk about the first video I saw on his channel, the first time I actually clicked on it, I want to say it was, I hate that guy three months ago. That was probably the first video I actually saw. (laughs) And that, he actually described how this video is made in our interview with him, which 
would have come out last week, Wednesday. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're interested in hearing that, it's an interesting story for a 21 second video that got 10 K views. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that was, I think the, one of the first videos I saw. And then here we go. F zero. He's already got the answer for me. I just haven't watched it yet. What is it? Why it's missing and how to do a new one. Okay. I'm glad you got that going. So, well, what do you, uh, what do you like about the talking side? Yeah, go here? back to the, I hate everything video. I hate everything. You mean, I hate this guy. I, I hate that guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Back <laughs> to that video. So I just remember in his interview how he, he was talking about how like that sock looked like pompous to him. <laughs> it's so funny to me that like because you totally see it. Looks like it has a big nose and it's great. Anyway, so I like yeah, I, I think I agree with basically everything everything you said, Chris. I like his personality too though. So he really does you know at the end of the day you're you're watching a sock, but he induces like or imbues it with such personality. And he does such a good job of actually giving it like, expressions and changing the voice and having inflection that ends up being really entertaining. Um, so you sort of forget that you're just watching, you know, a sock. And you, you think you're you're watching an actual character. And it's pretty cool. So most of the content he puts out is entertaining just because he's the one putting it out. And between that and there's Fingy. And Fingy. <laughs> Fingy. Fingy made an appearance in his oh, interview yeah. with us. That was pretty great. Yes, he kept popping up. <laughs> like during the interview like we were asking him questions and he would like, like, like suddenly like the sock would move and like he could get really close to the camera and stuff yeah. it's it really entertaining now i did find it interesting he knew the background on arlo which is another good good piece to go look at in our interview mm-hmm. where we talked about that it was pretty cool finding out the origins of arlo so if you had to give a talking sack some things they could work on or improve do you have anything that really we could hand off to him yeah, so just some small things. He was talking about how he wanted that green to be his like his um, kind of signature contrast color to the white sock. I know that was just sort of to be simple and easy. Um, I will say like the banner, you don't know what it does. So <laughs> um, that well, the thing is like it, I think it's good just having the sock in the icon because I think he'll eventually get well known enough that like that's all you'll need is to see the sock. Um, however, none of his thumbnails have it. So he's he's really missing out on branding, you know, his videos and having that, like, you know exactly what it is when it pops up. Um, and then I'm sure Chris will say, like, you're not consistent with um, fonts or font colors. And, again, that helps just establish your brand. Um, so people, like, will just see, you know, this, the font that you use or your icon and know immediately, like, oh, this is a talking sock video. I want to I click on this. Um, and you end up transcending whatever subject matter you're actually covering because it's the brand that people want to click on. Yeah, I, th- I think for the meme videos, it's okay to not have anything because these meme videos are clearly yeah. doing really well, despite the fact that he's yeah. got almost no branding on them. So the meme mm-hmm. videos, well, th- those will get people in the door, and then you want to have some branding on the rest of it, right? So like Will's saying, yeah. the meme okay. videos sure. can kind of be their own thing with the seven to, to seven seconds to a minute and a half probably at most. But then you've got these videos that are great, like a talking sock reacts to Minecraft. You see, you've got in the reaction here, you got the sock reacting. And uh, <laughs> so for those kinds of videos, like his bigger, um, more video game oriented commentary, long form videos. Yeah, I would say put the sock in the thumbnail more prominently and really, really showcase who who's by, like the, the sock behind the personality, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, this is a great thumbnail. Who's playing this? There's a sock the sock looking just up a little bit over the top of the screen here, you know, right away 
you're watching a talking sack video. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's like Arlo. Arlo is so prominent in all all of his thumbnails. Right, right. If you look at an Arlo thumbnail, he's always on there. So, they, I think the talking sack thumbnails could could really do well with a little bit of a makeover, showing the talking socks reaction to some of these uh, subjects he's discussing. Mm-hmm. But the meme videos, like this one and Omen, like there's no reason to change the thumbnail on this one. <laughs> These are pretty great. <laughs> what do we think the Talking Sock will see in the future as far as his channel's growth? Where do you mm-hmm. see where do you see this channel in the end of twenty twenty one? Sorry, you're robotting super bad, so I'm not I can't hear you. <laughs> Ask your question again. Where where do you see the talking sock by the end of twenty twenty one? All right, so what is he currently at right now? Almost 5.27. 5.27K. Yeah. I would say he's reaching 10. He's growing astronomically, so I think 10,000 is definitely within reach by the end of 2021. I'm going to go go for broke here. We'll say 20,000. I could see it. Yeah. I think with just a little bit more branding and maybe just like... This one. This, uh, there you go, Will. Consistent. Perfect. Mario Tennis. Got the sock in the picture. Got a really yeah. great title here. That's exactly what we want to see going forward. And just a little more, cons- like a little more consistency. So, like, you know, having like a, a couple lanes that you're like really specializing in. I think, yeah, I, I can definitely see that you are reaching that ten or twenty thousand by the end of the year. Yeah. And so, I guess going forward from a week ago, he said that he's going to be doing from now on uh, one scripted gaming video, one short minute or longer, and then one or two memes in between every yeah, week. There you go. So, yeah. Going forward, he's got a pretty good schedule planned out, and hopefully, he can keep up with it. I know he's a very busy guy. Um, but he puts out great content, so I can't recommend him enough. Go check out Talking Sock. Yep. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And we will see you on next Krillcast. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. <laughs> <laughs> you okay there, Chris? <laughs>
I can respect that. That's a great one. Yeah. How about you? Honestly, that's really hard. Um, I would, I would actually, I would probably go with the Empire Strikes Back because that the ending was such a twist and it just blew my mind. So, mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Of the new ones, I yeah, I agreed. Of the new ones, I'd say Rogue One is my favorite of the new yes. ones. Yeah. Okay, I love Rogue One. The the Darth Vader scene may actually be one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh man! So somehow that was not spoiled for me going into that movie. So then that he ignited that lightsaber. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me uh, let me jump this thing in here. Well, what's that first question? All right, first question. Uh, what inspired you uh, inspired you to start your YouTube channel? Wow. Uh, so I started back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So there really wasn't as many gaming channels on the on, you know on YouTube. Uh, so, of course, uh, ABGN was there and loved his channels to do. Uh, but I've been collecting games and consoles for years, even before 2009. And I was trying to find information about these consoles and videos about these consoles. And I just wasn't finding anything on it. So when I got married in 2009, my, my parents gave us as a wedding gift a camera. So that was kind of kickoff point of like, okay, now I have a camera. I've never really spoken in front of camera before. And I hated the sound of my voice when I talked. You know, so like, <laughs> I'm like, I just... Started just uh, just filming it. No no experience, no editing software. So looking back on my old videos, it's pretty brutal for me to watch uh, the old stuff. But n- terrible lighting, you know, fumbling over my words. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how I got started. Oh, that's my first video there. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, I remember uh, back in it's probably like the 2012 time frame. I was looking for yeah, some of that. these. <laughs> I just no editing. Just like, well, let's get into it. You know, I'm just holding the camera. <laughs> it's funny because I watched the, you watch my very early videos. My fiance at the time, uh, she was in the other room and this was a small house that we lived in. And you can hear me whispering, like doing the review because it was late at night when I did it. So I was like, <laughs> you know, and some people in the comment, in the yeah. video, like, why are you whispering, bro? What's going on? Why are you so quiet? <laughs> I, I had to keep my, my wife, my fiance, uh, you know, asleep, whatever. Right. So it's funny. I remember like early on, like it was probably like 2011, 2012 when I would get on YouTube. These are the types of videos that interested me. So like I found like your channel and I found like Adam Corlick's channel and like a, a lot of these, there weren't any other channels at the time that I was looking for this stuff. So right. you guys yeah. were two of my first subscriptions on YouTube, by the way. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun journey. So um, I do have some questions, but I the first one really is why Games 81? Where did you come up with this name? So 81 is the year I was born. So uh, mm-hmm. turning 40 this year. Uh, and then uh, Gamester is kind of a combination between game. My last name is Lester. So oh, I, kinda okay. com- I, I, I combine them together, married them together, and Gamester or Game meets Lester, and it becomes Gamester. So mm-hmm. that's how I came up with it. Hmm. Sounds like, it's like, pretty, like a lot of guests we have come on here. It's like, I just will spit on one day, and that stuck. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't taken, right? So like that's another mm-hmm. thing, too. I guess I started... I started really look lucky time on YouTube because there wasn't many game. Like if I were to start my channel today, uh, there's no way it would blown up. I don't think that it has, you know, so uh, very fortunate when I started. Yeah. I would think there's probably a ton more channels now with even probably the gamester name has probably got more channels now at this point. Yeah. I would imagine. Right. Right. So why don't you ask that next question? Will? yeah. Okay. So as one of the original creators, creators of obscure uh, and hard to find, Hardware and gaming. Uh, this is a long one, Chris. I know. <laughs> what was it like starting out your channel, and how has it been over the years? Well, you know, it's it's been 
just uh, it's been interesting. I've, I've definitely learned a lot of things as far as just inter, inter exchanging, inter, interacting with the community. I've met a lot of friends uh, along the way, which has been amazing. So, uh, what was it starting over your channel? How it's been over the years? I think it's been. I mean, if I were to sum it in one word, it's been it's been fun. You know, and that's this the. Uh, I've always stuck true to why I do this channel. I still have my daytime job. I don't this, I don't do this full time still. Um, so I just do it for fun. I do it for it's the community. So I've always stuck with that. Now, as far as building the collection, uh, I've seen, I mean, the amount of hardware that's come through your channel. Uh, how is it storing the hardware over the years? Like finding places Good for question. it? Yeah, it's been, obviously it's been challenging. We moved into a bigger house, of course, since the early days. But, uh, you know, I've got shelving my game room with most of my consoles are on display. My wife kind of gave me an ultimatum. Either I uh, display my Star Wars stuff or my video game stuff. So I decided to display my gaming stuff. Uh, so I have most of my gaming stuff on shelves. And did you say you have yeah, like more? A, oh, on, sorry. Did you say you have more Star Wars stuff than video game stuff? My Star Wars stuff is bigger, more than yeah, more than my gaming stuff. Yeah, I'd say so. So have you ever had like a heartbreaking moment where you had like a water lane uh, lane break or anything like that? <laughs> part of Fortunately, staff? no. For, knock on wood, no, nothing yet. So watch something happen tomorrow <laughs> because you jinxed it. No, <laughs> uh, no, nothing, nothing yet. I've been very fortunate. And then uh, as far as fellow content creators go, you you kind of gotten to meet a lot of the early on people. Like um, I know you Metal Jesus have done stuff together before in the past, yeah. correct? Yeah. So yeah. what what kind of experiences have you had going to conventions and those kinds of things? Is Has it been really rewarding for you to make the travel arrangements and go out and do those things? Oh, I love that's my And I miss that. Obviously, with COVID, those aren't happening right now, right? Uh, and I even run my own mm-hmm. event uh, convention here in Phoenix called Game on Expo. So even from the back behind the scenes, I know how much work goes into these, these cons. Um, but it's been fun, man. It's, it's great. It's good. It's, it's a kick getting people to come up to you and, and talk to you like they've known you forever. And uh, I don't know who they are, obviously, because I've never <laughs> met them before, but they come up to you yeah. and it's great. I love meeting people, um, you know, meeting people, having panels. Uh, I do miss it a lot. And uh, as far as running one, when those things are coming up, like how much time do you think you put into running one of the helping to run one of these conventions or you were the founder of the game on one in arizona i'm trying to remember yeah it's called game on expo yeah so it's uh last year would have been our sixth year so obviously we we, we ended up turning into like a drive-in event instead mm-hmm. where you just go in your car we put a big screen and it was kind of unique it was fun uh but as far as prep goes it's a good solid 10 months of work almost every day working oh on a little bit mm-hmm. chipping away so it's not like eight hours a day of course but like initially it's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes each day. And then it gets to, when you get to like the next two months before, it, it's a solid like, and I have my day job, of course, but it's, it's late night, probably working five, six hours a day working on it. So it's, it's a ton of work, uh, but it's very rewarding as well. Yeah, you must really enjoy it to still do it even with the full-time job. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and obviously right now there's a lot of unknown, right? Because I'm like kind of on a holding pattern because mm-hmm. obviously with COVID, uh, <laughs> and I don't, frankly, I don't, I don't want to be the first con back to be the guinea pig, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I do yeah. feel like people have a lot of pent up demand for, for like when, when people get their vaccines, I feel like when these get back normal, people are going to be like itching to spend money and go out to cons, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's nerve wracking. And my heart goes out to the other shows. Some shows have canceled for good and I can relate, you know, it's hard for sure. It's a lot of money putting these shows on a lot of money. And I'm imagining coordination behind the scenes is pretty difficult too. like getting all the content creators out there and the various, um, you know, yeah. shops and all that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, and we have a lot of a great team. So certainly, I don't do it myself. There's no way I could do it because 
you know, last year, the last year we did 2018, you know, I'd say we had close to 7,000 people through the door. So it's, uh, it was a pretty good size, decent size for being year five. I was pretty happy with it. But yeah, there's a lot of security and things like the first year we had the show, uh, we had a dog like poop in the lobby in the hall. <laughs> like you don't expect that. You don't put that on like, I'm going to look for poop, uh, you know, dog poop <laughs> on the, you know, so it's one of those random things you don't expect, but you live and learn. So now we have a pooper scooper, dedicated pooper scooper, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just in case. Yeah. Know, <laughs> what would you say is the the wackiest thing that's happened to you at a at a gaming convention? The wackiest thing? Yeah. Nothing crazy. I mean, I've we we've gone on some excursions. I've been to like, for example, the uh, the SoCal Gaming Expo. We've we've been on some, some excursions outside the con that uh probably i shouldn't say as far as going to detail but it it, <laughs> it was good times and uh you know it stays in california you know happens <laughs> as california stays in california i guess but no but as far as the con goes itself um yeah it's, you know they're just fun i mean just uh meeting people it, it's interesting seeing people who are like starstruck even though i don't consider myself like a celebrity by all any stress of imagination but you can kind of tell when people are like they don't know what to say you know you get the kind of awkwardness mm-hmm. you know so uh that's been interesting, but you just, you know, make it friendly and uh, I'm very approachable. So it's great meeting people. Cool. So I guess uh next question would be is what type of content do you enjoy making the most? You know, uh cop out answer would be just saying a little everything. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> but I, I like, I like doing like, uh, of course the system reviews, although uh, I, you know, even though I have quite a few different systems, I can only do them so many, you know, so many times. So you start running out of things to cover, uh, but those are fun. I like doing the con ones like covering con- conventions that's that's a lot of fun um you know I, I think when i find a game i really enjoy i mean that's that's i enjoy doing those obviously as well so and how about these videos where you decide which is the best like i know i don't know if you do a lot of these but i do like it when you take and you pick a- amongst all the models of a specific type of gaming yeah and you say this is the best one. Oh, to like own. the top ten. Yeah, those are fun. Those are probably the most fun to do, but they take the most time to do, right? Because I've got to, you know, play them again and you know, see, okay, does this make my list and why? So that definitely, and I've of course got to do some game capturing, and so that you know that takes the most time, but those are definitely uh, pretty rewarding too. So yeah, I could call on that. So yeah, I plan to do more of those, by the way, here in the short, short future. So. Because yeah, it's always nice to know, like, if you're buying a Game Boy in, like, say, 2021, which model should you be looking for? Right, right. So I really respect those videos. I I love seeing these kinds no, of videos all the time. Thank you, thank you. Uh, will you? Yeah, have I guess question? along yeah, well, along those lines, you, know, you say you know top ten videos. What's like the top three jewels you have, like prized oh. possessions? <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, hmm. I have a Bandai Apple. Pippin, which is like a consoleized Macintosh, essentially came out in the 90s, right? Mid-90s. This is time when Apple was not on its game, right? This is when Steve Jobs had left Apple, right? They're mm-hmm. kind of a... This is when I wish I had bought stock in Apple, right? right. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so yeah, this console, they, they teamed up with Bandai, and it, it's it's a, not a very good system, but it was super expensive back in the day. I do have one. I call it, It's an At World, which is the kind of a dark gray color. It's actually more harder to find than the At Mark which is the white one because it sold better in Europe, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have one of those. Those are pretty rare. I have, um, let's see, a, a Bally Home Library computer. I don't know if you know, ever heard of that thing or not. But uh, this is like that Bally Astrocade. 
but it's a very early model. This is a system that came out before Atari 2600. And this particular model I have, turns out, was only released in New York in a very small batch, like the first shipment. Hmm. So uh, that's kind of unique. But just because it's unique doesn't necessarily mean that it's people are going to be willing to spend top dollar for it yeah. either. You know, because right, right. who, who's heard of a Bally Home Library computer, right? So unless you're like a diehard collector. Um, I don't know. Um, as far as games go, I mean, I have like Panzer Dragoon, Saga, and like all the, you know, some of the rare ones, but nothing like crazy. I don't have like a Nintendo World Championship card or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I have like a, it's a it's a homebrew game technically, but it's super cool. It's uh, Hyper Fighting for the Virtual Boy, which is essentially Street Fighter Two for the Virtual Boy. And mm-hmm. only 50 of those were produced. And it's the guy took the Genesis graphics and ported to the, so you play it in 3D on the Virtual Boy. It's pretty incredible. So that's cool. It actually sounds awesome. Yeah, there it is. There it yep. is. Yeah, I yep. find I find the Virtual Boy to be such an interesting system, and there's like only what, what officially 21 games produced for it. Yeah, if you include the ones in Japan, that's correct. Yep. And uh, to have somebody even thinking about making new games for the Virtual Boy is quite mm-hmm. enticing. <laughs> right. Right. So it's cool that you cover stuff like this because I would have never known about it. I remember uh, when you put this video out. I think I was watching because I was actually thinking about picking up a Virtual Boy around 2015. <laughs> And I never end up doing I that. Love, <laughs> I love the Virtual Boy, man. I've got this thing here, actually. This is actually, it's funny I have it arm length way. I don't know how well you can see this, but this is like an old school button, Virtual Boy button. Oh, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to tell. I'm getting a shot. Um, it's 3D. It's hard to tell. The camera's not picking it up because obviously, but I picked this you up. You kind of see I it. Up, I grew up in Bellevue uh, and like the home quarter, like Redmond's where Nintendo's headquarters. So, mm-hmm. Uh, this is back when, like, in 95, when the Virtual Boy was first coming out. So uh, I remember growing up in, like, middle school, like, some of the kids I grew up with, like, we'd be, like, play testers for Nintendo. I was so jealous. You know, that's <laughs> what they would do after school. they go after school, and they like, play test for the NES and Super Nintendo. It was awesome. That so, <laughs> is awesome. That would have been really fun <laughs> as a kid. They, they, they pay them peanuts. It was, like, I don't think they got paid much for it, but they just got a chance to play the games first. And I think they got to kept the games, too, which is awesome, too. So and they got those cool jackets and stuff, you know? So... I can't imagine being one of the first kids alive seeing Donkey Kong Country when that was a thing, you know, brand new. Because yeah. the graphics of that game still to this day it blows me away. The Super Nintendo could do that. Oh, I love, I love that. Donkey Kong Country is like one of my favorite games too. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and do you, I don't know if you guys remember the VHS tape that came with it, the promo tape. Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo Power sent it out. Yeah, it was. It was I have it somewhere, but it's cool. All right. Well, you got that next question. We're on number five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have you ever felt burnt out I mean you've been on YouTube for a very long time so have you yeah. ever felt burnt out yeah I think you you do it for so long you know there, there's points where you you kind of do get a little burnt out so I've stepped away you know for whatever amount of time weeks or whatever but at the end of the day I always miss it and come back <laughs> you know <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. it's good to not look at I don't look at it as like a career I don't look at it as like a job or a chore I just do it when I have time and when I you know when, when it fits my schedule and that's helped a lot. So it's not like I don't feel obligated to do it. It's just like, I do mm-hmm. it because I want to. That's good to hear. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these channels, especially a hundred thousand plus subscribe channels, it's like your own. A lot of these people are doing it as a job and it's kind of refreshing right. to hear somebody doing it. Cause they just want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see here. So since you started the channel, do you think you gain more or less? Probably the same, to be honest. I mean, there's, 
because you know I'm more involved with the YouTube community. There's there's games I've I've never heard of that I'll check out. So maybe a little bit more, but uh, I don't ever really change my gaming habits from doing YouTube video or not. You know, so but the same. Yeah, I think I play less now. Yeah, <laughs> it's because mostly like this would be a prime playing time. <laughs> Looks like you're taking right. away my game time. I know. I should just start putting like the switch up right here, and you wouldn't even know. That's what RGT85 has been doing on Spawncast for like the last, I don't know how many months. That's funny. I tuned in one time and I saw there's RGT85 and it's just like, like, what are you doing? Yeah, at least you'd say, you know, somewhat secretive about it. That's funny. All right, let's see here. Well, you got the next question. Yeah. What have been some of your favorite experiences here on the YouTube? You know, I think we touched on that a little bit. I think just going to the cons and just interacting with people and, you know, mm-hmm. seeing people like uh, message me or, uh, you know, I've met a lot of friends on the YouTube gaming. So that's pretty much, to me, it's about the community. I have noticed that's that my favorite. since we started putting out videos, it's been a lot easier to reach out to other creators. And that has been really rewarding on its own. Like just, for example, being able mm-hmm. to talk to you, been watching your channel for a long time. And here we are able to have a discussion with you on a YouTube video for people to watch. It's It's kind of, unreal at this point to me that's cool well i appreciate the invite yeah that's great Mm -hmm. now um what oh oh, go ahead well you got something go ahead i was gonna say i wonder if we just have more confidence because half the time 80 percent of the time they have no idea who we are so but they still agree before they even know who we are (laughs) uh, i think realizing that now that like our favorite creators are actually real people (laughs) so Mm -hmm. maybe that's that's a great benefit of of this podcast right Now, what would be, I'm not talking about something that's already in your collection. I'm talking about something that may not be in your collection or or maybe something that you've thought about over the years. What would be your actual holy grail to add to your collection if you could find it? The one item I want. I, I really want, um, it's the laser interactive. Like, okay, so, was, you know, they had the, the Genesis pack for the, mm-hmm. do you guys know what the laser active is? So it's I, I do, basically yeah. a, a laser displayer. And there's modules that like that you can get for it. So I have the Genesis one, but there's one I really want. It's a TurboGrafx 16 one, and it's pretty hard to find. I'd love to get my hands on that. Is that um is that something that ever pops up online or not really? It's very rare. There's also the PC Engine LT, which is kind of like the the folding portable. Uh, only came out in Japan. That's pretty rare too. I'd love to get my hands on that as well. And is there any particular reason? Is it just because it's rare, or do you have like a specific memory? I think it's just it's just unique. No, I don't have any memories of it because it came out in Japan only. But mm-hmm. uh, I just think it, it's super cool. I like the Turbo Graphics PC Engine, and uh, you know, I have uh, obviously the 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 pocket, you know, the portable uh, Turbo Graphics 16, right? The Turbo Express, but mm-hmm. I don't have uh, this one. It's like a bigger screen, and it's just more unique. Okay. Yeah, I, I you know what. Now that you said that, I did watch the Ashens video where he put out the PC Engine LT. I was wondering where yeah. I heard that before. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a really kind of a unique beast of a machine. It's unique. Yeah, it's very unique. Now you have a Dreamcast, don't you? I do have a Dreamcast. Yeah, I got that years ago. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. similar to like the. It would be like the Dreamcast version of this LT thing, basically, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Although it's not a port, I mean, there's there's a built-in controller on the LT. But oh, Dreamcast, okay. you have to still plug in controllers. A little okay. less portable. Yeah. Right. Now, as far as 
as far as that stuff goes, the technology and the hardware you've had over the years, has there been anything that's been highly delicate that you weren't expecting to be like, you're, you're handling it and you're like, Oh, I definitely can't play this very often. Cause it's just like a little too fragile. Nothing kind of my man. That's a good question. I really can't think of anything that I, uh, you know, that I've done something where I've mishandled it. Um, I don't know. I can't think of examples, man. Good question. You stumped me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just the amount of hardware you come across your channel. I'm just thinking, like, yeah. man. So there's got to be something out there that you got, and you realize, whoa, this is <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. There was, uh, a, you know, a game for Super Nintendo. It was, uh, oh, it's pretty redefined. It's a Super Noah's Ark 3D. You know, mm-hmm. Super Nintendo was like one of the very. I think it's the only like non-official licensed Super Nintendo game, right? Um, and it's basically Wolfenstein, but done in like, you know. What? Um, you ever heard of this game? Yeah. In order to play it, it's an adapt. You have to actually plug in a, a normal Super Nintendo cart on top of it. It looks like a Super Game Boy kind of, and it's weird. <laughs> but, but I had mine unopened, and on video, I actually unopened it, and people freaked out. Like, why are you opening it, doing a video on it? In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have opened it because I probably devalued it quite a bit. But <laughs> I wanted to check it out and play it. So, you know, it's yep. interesting. And then, so do you ever like keep games in the, uh, that they don't open, or do you always open the games that you get? Very rarely do I not open a game. Uh, I'll never, I never throw the boxes away if I can't help it, you know. But uh, no, very rarely I don't not open a game. Uh, there'll be some exceptions, like I found a, a Pokemon Red Game Boy uh, at the Goodwill, uh, unopened, sealed. I had like this, mm. you know, you could you could tell when it's sealed by Nintendo because it's got the seam on the back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I paid like eight dollars for an incredible deal or some crazy, really cheap. Wow, okay. And that game, like, so I I've kept that unopened because I'm like, I'm not opening that because, mm-hmm. you know, I could probably get it graded and it's probably really tough because it's like mint. And I've had people reach out to me like, are you willing to sell that? Because I want to buy. You know, diehard Pokemon fans really want it because it's super <laughs> super mint. So there's been some exceptions, but for the most part, I'll open most of my games because I mean, games are meant to play, in my opinion. Yeah, 100% I on that. I, I, I find myself, every once in a while, I'm like, I probably shouldn't open this yet. And I was like, no, yeah. it just, it, it's but meant to be opened. It's funny because my Star Wars collecting, I keep everything sealed. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm kind of the opposite because I don't really play with toys necessarily, right? My oh, well, that's kids meant do. to be admired. Yeah, it's meant <laughs> to be displayed, right. right. Yeah. So my kids will play with toys. They always ask me, Daddy, why are you not opening this? This toy, I really want to play with Luke Skywalker. I'm like, no, don't, don't, don't touch it. Leave it open. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we yeah, should. Uh, my toy. We should do some Star Wars stuff here. Will you got any Star Wars questions for him? Uh, no, other than like, I want, other than like, get controversial and ask you how you feel about the sequel to trilogy. <clears throat> or the sequel, like the new one, or the prequel, or yeah. the sequel, the, the new sequels. movies. Yeah, the sequels. Yeah, I mean, they are what they are. Uh, they weren't terrible. I, I think it's hard to please everyone. You know, when you have millions of fans like Star Wars, it's hard to obviously please everyone, right? But, uh, you know, I thought uh, of my the three, I thought the uh, Rise of Skywalker was honestly, in my opinion, the better one of the three. I wasn't a huge fan <laughs> of Force Awakens because I thought it was just a, a rehash of A New Hope, like, you know, verbatim. I thought it was a ripoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the last, um, what is the... Um, the Last uh, Jedi. The Last Jedi, yeah, thank you. <laughs> There was parts like the Yoda scene was cool, how they used a, mup, a puppet there, and I thought that mm-hmm. was a cool scene. And but there was just like people trash on that movie. I think people are overly critical on that movie, but certainly not my favorite Star Wars. My my least favorite Star Wars is probably Episode Two, 
Uh, you know, uh, I would fair. I would put the holiday special understand. above that. The holiday special? I would put the holiday special, and then I put the two Ewok movies above the episode two, and then I would take like oh Ewok movies are great. Yeah, <laughs> love the Ewok. Stock, stock, who's that? Stock, who's that? <laughs> Yeah. Do you happen to own the uh, any of the Ewok movies or any of that stuff physically? I do. I, well, I have I have the VHS tapes and I also have the the DVDs. Yeah, both. I do uh, want to get the, the I don't have the blue. Too. I don't have the laser disc. I want to get the laser disc, and those are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are they're they're fun for what they are. Actually, I have it taped like it was taped off of the cable or something. So it's actually like part of a home video, and it cuts into Ewoks. There's <laughs> <laughs> like I love. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like Mandalorian has saved Star Wars lately, though. Like, in my opinion, mm-hmm. like, that's definitely saved Star Wars lately. I love the Mandalorian. I think they've done a really good job with that. And I just wish Dave Filoni and, uh, um, what's, uh, I'm drawing a blank on, uh, um, Favreau. Favreau. Thank you, John Favreau. Thank you. Uh, I wish they had, had spearheaded the movies, to be quite honest with you. I think the movies would have been yes. a lot better. Yeah. I wish they had had a plan and stayed within the established, like, canon is really the only thing that I have a problem with. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks, it's visually impressive and it's beautiful. And I think the actors are very good. It's just, I thought them ruining the, like the lore essentially really, yeah, really bothered me. The rise of Skywalker was also kind of rushed. Like they had to kind oh, of yeah. cram everything in and like, you can tell they're like backtracking, trying to fix some of the plot holes, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, they build up to all these major characters and then they kind of kill them off like Snoke. Like yep. he, he's kind of yep. irrelevant the whole series and he was supposed to be a really badass character, you know? Uh, and um, Captain Phasma, like she was supposed to be like a badass, and the mm-hmm. way she died was just like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. like you could you could totally rid her <laughs> off the script, and like it wouldn't have affected the whole plot of the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was kind of weird. Yeah. So, why where where do you land on the Darth Jar Jar theory? That what Jar Jar is a Sith? Yeah. Well, it's not a theory. Isn't that confirmed that that was actually what he was going to do? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I think that'd be uh, pretty funny uh, if he came back as like a Seth and stuff. I think they should do like a. I, I'm surprised they didn't have a pair right, pop up on the Mandalorian somewhere, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's the, the uh, overarching bad guy. That'd be awesome. But I really but, thought that oh, was man. like a recently confirmed. Yeah. I feel bad for like Ahmed Best, who's the actor who played Jar Jar. Like, he mm-hmm. never had a career. He's always been like tortured from that role. <laughs> and, uh, with some Jake, the guy who played Anakin, young Anakin, uh, Jake Lloyd, whatever his yeah. name is. Like, he also has been, like, tortured and, like, has had suicidal thoughts. And it's really sad. Like, their lives have been destroyed because of this movie, episode one. Um, it's, it's tragic. So, yes. I don't mind episode one. It's kind of my guilty pleasure, to be honest, man. Mm-hmm. Like, Darth, Darth Maul's great character. Oh, I like Vicon yeah. Jen. You know, there's some scenes I don't like Jar Jar. There's, there's, you can actually watch episode one where someone's cut out Jar Jar. Have you seen those uh, those cuts? No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, someone's actually went through and like redid the whole movie, and it flows really nice. But they've cut out Jar Jar. So funny. Like he's not even in it. So they cut out, they cut out the entire gun gun scene then, or what? Yeah, I know. Like you just gotta watch. I'll send you. I'll see if I can find that. Send you guys a link. Yeah, it's funny. So you know, since Star Wars and video games have collided so much, what's your favorite Star Wars video game? Oh man! Speaking of which, are you guys excited about the new news that EA now? Yes, yeah, so pumped. <laughs> I think I heard Ubisoft has taken over. I heard there might be a new uh, Nice Little Republic, which I'm stoked. Oh, I'm so and excited! That's that yes. that's one of my favorite for sure. Was the Nice Little Republic? Um, I love the Super Star Wars trilogy on Super Nintendo. Really sure. good platformers. 
Um, man, I, I'd say there's some Battlefield 2, like the original Battlefield 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Battlefront, sorry, Battlefront. Yeah, Battlefront, yeah. Um, that's th- Those are really good. Uh, I used to play them on PS2 all the time. Um, man, there, there's quite a bit. I like the X-Wing movie, like the X-Wing games for the PC, the classic ones. If the you know the ones are in the you're in the fighter. If you like There's that one, of... did you do you like Squadrons or have you not played that one too much? Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, Squadrons is a lot of fun. I actually played in VR. It's pretty fun. It's a trip playing in VR. Really? really like... I didn't even know yeah. it was a VR mode. Yeah, you can feel like you're actually in the cockpit. It's really cool. So yeah, if you play, if you have a VR, check it out in VR. Definitely <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> Episode one definitely produced my favorite racing game of all time, Pod Racer. Yeah, have you played the uh, uh, Racers Revenge on the PS2? I've always heard that one's not quite as good as the original, but I'm all ears for you to convince me it's worth better. Checking out, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking. You can get it cheap, but I think it only came out on the PS2. They Maybe ported it, it to PS4. Was it? Oh yeah, the yeah digitally, and I think yeah. Limited Run Games actually put right, out a limited, physical version. Yeah, Limited Run. I think you're right. They did. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that one out because I I love the original. I actually bought it on the Switch and got all the. I unlocked everything yep, on the Switch. I have it on the Switch too. <laughs> I like. Um, like the going to like uh, N64, I like the um, you know, Shadows of the Empire. Oh, yeah, that's a good. One. Although, playing that game now, I was playing it the other day, and it's like the controls are so wonky on the N64 controller now. You know, you can play in first person that game, you know, and even third person, but it just doesn't control very well because I'm so used to the two analog sticks now. I'm so spoiled. Um, <laughs> but uh, Rogue Squadron is a good one too. Love that series. Yeah, Rogue Squadron is great. Um, they're making a movie, I guess, the Rogue Squadron movie. Yeah, because they were talking about it when Squadrons was coming out, and they were like saying, "Oh, we're doing the Rogue Squadron movie," and everybody thought those were completely associated together, but right. not, not necessarily. Right. So, I guess the last thing is, if you had to choose video games or Star Wars, which route <laughs> would you take? Wow, can I just marry, just play Star Wars games? Can I just, <laughs> both worlds? Uh, man, I don't know. I'd probably go with gaming because it's more social, you know. <laughs> okay. So I'd probably stick with gaming, but uh, no, I do love me some Star Wars. Okay. All right. Well, you got that next question. Yeah. Uh, so, who are some of your favorite con- content creators here on YouTube? There's a lot, man. Uh, I like Happy Console Gamer. You know, uh, Johnny's mm-hmm. a good friend of mine. He's got some great content. Uh, you know, of course, Mel Jesus Rocks and John Hancock. I don't know if you know Jan Hon- John Hancock's channel. Yep. Um, yeah, he's got a ma- massive collection. Really, just one of the most humble, down to earth guys I've ever met. I've met him a number of times, and just a super nice dude. So he's he's great. Um, and there's a lot too many to count. To be honest with you, man, I've been following this stuff for so long, and I don't watch YouTube videos as much as I'd like to. To be honest with you, uh, between mm-hmm. my day job and family and and gaming and do my own videos, it's hard for me to squeeze time into watch videos. But when I do, those are typically the ones I watch. Cool. Now, is there anything that we've missed that you would like to cover on this interview or anything that you have as a question for us? Well, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I'd like to mention, shout out for, would be uh, my side project, Controvision uh, Games. So I'm a game producer and game developer as well. So got started with, with Controvision Games, and uh, that's been a fun journey, just going from homebrew games, whether it's for ColecoVision, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, uh, Genesis. Uh, but then we've also released... Sydney, it's uh, one of our main games is Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mayan, and that's uh, out for Switch and PC or PC right now. But we're working mm-hmm. on uh, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series X, the, all the other platforms, and those should be out uh, in a couple months. So it's been a, it's been a fun 
fun journey doing that. You know, I remember you talking about this before. This is really neat that you do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as your involvement, what what all do you do in these projects, just out of curiosity? Uh, like in some cases, like with Sydney Hunter, I'm the lead project lead. So uh, I came up with uh, much of the story, the, the, the characters. I'm not a programmer. I'm not an audio guy. I don't I do the graphics. So there's a handful of us. So for Sydney Hunter, the Curse of the Mayan, uh, there was about five of us, four people that kind of worked on that game. And so we... Uh, we've had a, we have a number of Sydney Hunter games, so that's Sacred Tribe. That's that one is for uh, we uh, Sega Master System, uh, Intellivision, uh, ColecoVision, you know, old school stuff. And then we have mm-hmm. uh, Caverns of Death, which is for Super Nintendo and coming out for the NES. And so we've, you know, when you're talking about porting to these different consoles, it's not like with the modern consoles we use Unity, right? We program in Unity, so we can for the most part port to any console, like even mobile, right. if we wanted to. When you're talking mm-hmm. about porting from a Sega Master System to a Nintendo to a Super Nintendo, you got to redo everything. <laughs> you got to redo the sound. You got to make sure the color palettes work. Uh, just the programming for Super Nintendo is just a crazy hard. You don't see many new Super Nintendo uh, homebrew games because it's such a challenging platform to program for. That game took us over five years to program. It's crazy. I believe so. it because a lot of the dev kits and whatnot, are even like just going back and finding people that know how to code in that language is not yeah. very easy. So yeah, learning it's, it's it tough. is, yeah. Cause I even and, tried and it, at one point in time to do GBA games and that was pretty yeah. difficult as well. And I get along with all our, our programmers. I love them to death, but like you're kind of at the mercy of their schedule because <laughs> you know, uh, especially now with COVID, right. Cause uh, you know, co- completely understand, you know, we all have our day jobs. We all have our, you know, other things, priorities to take care of, but, I don't want to push them too much because they can say, hey, F you, I'm going to not do this anymore, right? So you have to kind of work with them in a way like, okay, kind of nudge them like, what's going on with this project? You know, give me an update. You know, have to push them. But you can't push them too hard, you know, because you're kind of at their mercy because there's not many people who can do it, what they do, you know? So it's 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 been an interesting tug of war, but, you know, it's been fun. Uh, and so I love highlighting other indie games because going from – you know, behind the scenes of like how much time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears go into these games. It's, uh, I know I can respect that for sure. Yeah. And as far as going from being a game, uh, a fan of gaming to being a part of making games, how has that kind of transformed the way you look at gaming? Say it one more time. Sorry. How has go- going from uh, looking at games on a TV screen to being behind the scenes of making games, how has that changed your vision of gaming? I, I, I have a more, uh, I guess, a, a, a bigger appreciation of it all. Uh, I'm not as critical of, of games that I don't see as great um, anymore, to be honest with you, because now I know understand that uh, how much work has typically gone into these games. Now, doesn't mean that I, I won't say a game, I wouldn't recommend a game, or I'll say I don't recommend this game, because, you know, I still do that, but... Um, I just, you know, I have a, I guess, more a, a greater sensitivity of, of uh, the back end and, and you know criticism when it comes to games because it's it's nerve wracking when you release a game and hearing the feedback and reviews and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fortunately in our case, Sydney Hunter, Curse of the Mind is getting really good reviews, uh, but it's very under the radar still because we're, we're we're very indie like we don't we're not backed by another publisher right, um, so it's all like out of pocket word of mouth stuff. <laughs> Right. So uh, we're not, you know, so we haven't pushed as sold as many because it's hard to know how many you're going to sell. Like even on the switch, right. You're like, Oh, you expect to sell millions, but realistically there's so many games out there and people are very price sensitive when it comes to games. Like we'll sell a lot when we go on sales, 
But then when they're not on sales, people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to spend full price for hair, you know, for for mm-hmm. a game. So it's been interesting kind of seeing that, that dynamic for sure. And I think we're certainly not the only company that sees that. I think that's why a lot of people do sales. Steam is really bad at that, right? Because like people on Steam really want the deals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Steam, mm-hmm. you're you know? basically only selling when you got a deal going on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'll have to check it out. It's on, it's on Switch, right? It's on Switch, man. Check it out. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm definitely going to check this thing out. Yeah, Very cool. it's a, mm-hmm. it's the best way to explain it. It's eight bit, um, kind of modern eight bit. So it wouldn't play on the Super Nintendo, right? But if you played like Shovel Knight, like kind of that yep. kind of style, it's okay. Mega Man meets Castlevania gameplay wise. <laughs> so we've 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 put a lot of uh, research in this game. Uh, it's it's all based on the Maya. Uh, it's so a lot of the you fight these Maya gods, right? So uh, you fight the god uh, um, Kuk is. Uh, the serpent god, he's like the, one of the main guy, gods you fight. You fight the uh, uh, Hunapa, which is the god of corn, uh, the maze god. And, and, and all the battles were done in like kind of a Mega Man style uh, boss battle. So this is the this, this screen right here we're watching. This is actually the corn god level. You can see the corn stalks in the background. So we add a lot of subtle uh, things in the background. Uh, but you have different weapons. You have a boomerang here. You have a whip. You have uh, a spear. Uh, so there's, I think there's, uh, let's see, 13 different levels altogether in the game so to play the game start to finish if you've never be- played it before it's probably gonna take you seven to ten hours to go through it um i okay. can beat it uh in less than three but i'm not a speedrunner, so i'm sure speedrunners could do it faster than that but i can do it in about two and a half hours yeah i found myself being more interested in games like this lately like with the shovel knights yeah. and like axiom verge and those kinds of games right so i'm right. definitely i'm gonna have to check this out for sure it looks like it looks like right up my alley um yeah. it's Funny, kind of funny thing, uh, there's a ton of Easter eggs in the game, right? So you'll notice things from Mario 2. You'll notice things from Zelda 2, even. Uh, games like, uh, there's a couple games from PC Engine in there that the program put in there. So they're just subtle nods to the, the homages to the these these classic games. It's our love letter to the classics. But what's funny about the title is it was initially called Sydney Hunter the Curse of the Mayans, right? And we're like, mm-hmm. technically... Mayans is kind of incorrect. Like you don't, really, you're not supposed to say Mayans. So we changed it to Mayan, <laughs> but even that's technically not correct because actually it's Maya. Like when you're referring to the people itself as a group, they're the Maya, right? <laughs> and so by the time we did all the publishing and the promotion, we stuck with Mayan because at that point we're like, we're not going to change the name a third time. You know, and most people <laughs> yeah. wouldn't notice anyway, right? Not, we've had a people call us out. Some people have called us out on it. They're like, that's not the correct term of Mayan. You know, it's supposed to be the Maya. But uh, it's just kind of funny. So. You, know, you never know when you put a title out there what, what people are yeah. going to say about it, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, for example, I never would have predicted how many people were going to say our name incorrectly when we put this out there. But now that I, I have heard people pronounce our name as Chirillcast or Chillcast, I'm like, okay, I can see what mistake I made when we made this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. That's right. So we put the shrimp in front of it every single time now, and people are like, okay, krill cast. That makes sense. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. That's funny. But yeah, this looks really good. And I'm assuming the art style initially was kind of an Indiana Jones looking logo, because the logo looks Indiana Jones to me. Yeah. I mean, definitely inspired by Indiana Jones. Uh, it's an adventure game, right? It's an action adventure game. Um, you can play it. And if you play, I'll give you a hint. If you're going pick, to pick it up. Go through all the screens, look for all that you can break away blocks just like you did here. You know, you can sign, see different items, collect all the items because you can collect crystal skulls, which will help you unlock different levels. 
we designed the game in a way where if you're if you're patient you play the game you can play it straight through without having to go back and do any metrovania stuff but if you have it you're gonna have to go back if you rush through it you have to go back and there's uh you need 100 crystal skulls to unlock the final final room i think we put 108 or 109 crystal skulls throughout the game so we we threw some extra in there so Mm -hmm. there's really no need to go back and get more unless you're like a completionist or unless you just rush and you didn't you know, so a lot of people, I think the biggest complaint, people are like, oh, I don't like going back and like how to find all these items. Well, if you're patient, you don't have to do that. You just have to just make sure you're looking at all the rooms. <laughs> well, and when you hear the term Metroidvania, people should know what they're getting themselves, getting themselves right. into. So it's right. like, I don't like backchecking. Why'd you get a Metroidvania game? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, do you have anything else? No, no, I appreciate the, the plug. Thank you, guys. Let me do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess we'll conclude the interview and I've definitely really had a good time talking to you about your channel and everything else and yeah. look forward to talking some other segments with you. So, yeah. And, and before we go here, uh, I, I would just want to throw out, I'll, I'll give you guys a couple of steam keys of the game uh, and I'll, for you guys, of course, if you guys want to play on steam, but also throwing you guys a couple actually you can give away on uh, as a giveaway. If you guys want on the show. Yeah. We'd love to give away some yeah, games. That'd be awesome. awesome. All right. Well, uh, given that, we'll have a giveaway in the future. And uh, as always, I am Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm John. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And we will see you. What's going on? Next Curlcast. Bye, guys. Go subscribe to Games 381. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I got animated for Will. Maybe. I don't know. Legend of Zelda. (laughs) So, today is Throw the Throw the Throwback Thursday. And if for some reason you guys are finding yourselves on this video, you're not subscribed to our channel already, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but Mm -hmm. we get really cool people on here and we interview them, like uh, Chris Raygun, Forge Labs, Installation Zero Zero. Whoops. (laughs) I uh, had some volume there on accident, so you're going to hear that in the background. <laughs> Whoops. But uh, we're shooting for that 1,000 subscriber mark, so that's it. That's the spiel. If you uh, didn't watch the rest of the videos this week, we had Game Street 81 on a Monday, Wednesday, and he'll be on tomorrow, Friday. So go check him out, too. Really cool guy. Really down to earth. Mm-hmm. Definitely a guy you want to subscribe to, along with the Girl cast. So Yes, definitely. The Legend of Zelda for Throwback Thursday. Did you ever play this game when it was brand new, Will? No, I don't think I was out. I was not alive. Chris. You know how old I am. Well, it came out on February 21st, 1986. Sounds funny. I was about to say I wasn't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't been published yet. So, yep, 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 yep. So, anyways, it originally came out in February 1986. So, we're coming up on Zelda 35, kind of like how Mario 35, you know, we're 35 oh, years of Zelda. Don't get my hopes up. What's the Zelda 35 collection going to look like? I don't know. We'll have to see. But it better be better than the Mario one. <laughs> trash. No, I'm just kidding. It was okay. It was okay. It wasn't what I wanted, yeah, but it, it was, was okay. aggressively mediocre. Yes. It was worth picking up if you've never played any of those games that were on it. Yeah. The Legend of Zelda is a 1986 action-adventure video game developed and published by Nintendo, designed by Shigeru Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka. Set in the fantasy land of Hyrule, the plot centers on an elf-like boy named Link who aims to collect the eight fragments of the Triforce of Wisdom in order to rescue Princess Zelda from the antagonist Ganon. That is a run-on sentence. 
During the course of the game, the player controls Link from a top-down perspective and navigates throughout the overworld and dungeons. And if you haven't played Zelda before, I'm really confused why you clicked on this video because <laughs> you should know what Zelda is at this point in time. But this is yep. the first game released on February 21st, 1986, like we said earlier. It's been on the NES. Apparently, there was a version on the SNES. Uh, there was a uh, conversion to GBA. Yeah, I think this is actually the series. Hold on. Let me grab the original copy of the game so we can actually find <laughs> the OG version. There we go. Yep. I don't remember how many consoles. I, uh, my apologies. It's on Famicom and NES, and there was a converted version on the Game Boy Advance as part of the NES uh, Classics. Ver- there was like an NES Classic cart for Legend of Zelda, but it also was included on the GameCube Legend of Zelda um, Collector's Edition game that had four games on it, which Will and I were discussing before this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also on the Switch right now. It was on the Wii U eShop, the Wii eShop. Basically, you've had plenty of opportunities to play this game by 2021, and if you haven't done it already, I highly recommend you try it now. So... Since we're talking about Zelda, what do we remember about the original Zelda? What was the first Zelda you played, Will? This one, actually. So, oh, what I mean, it? okay. okay. I, I backtrack. So, I, like, I didn't beat the game or anything, but my brothers had this game on the Nintendo. Um, so, like, I remember playing it then and thinking, like, it was impossible and too hard. <laughs> um, and then, you know, many years later, I played Breath of the Wild, and now I'm going back through all the games. But, um, yeah, that was my first memories of just thinking, like, this is so, so hard. <laughs> and this being so confused. <laughs> so this game, actually, I never played the original until I got the GameCube uh, Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition. It was the first time I actually played the original Zelda. Because growing up, my sisters had a Super Nintendo, and they played Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Okay. And I remember thinking the exact same thing. This game is massive. There's a lot going on here. I will never finish it so long as I live, and that's pretty cool. That's what I used to think about the original. So, or about the Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. But then as I got older, I actually completed the entire Link to the Past and went back and played this on my GameCube, which is, in my opinion, one of the best ways to play the game is on the GameCube version because you can get 480p okay. output through the component cable okay, of the GameCube. Yeah. If you have all of the setup, so. But uh, it also had Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. That was actually how I experienced Majora's Mask the first time, despite I owned Ocarina of Time on the N64. I ended up playing it more on the GameCube because I was used to the mm. Majora's Mask controls. That's a whole different story. So this is completely unrelated. Can you go back in the very beginning of this video real quick? Yeah. Oh, so was the uh, the sword a cutlass at first? I don't know. I mean, that's what that style is. Yeah, so that's that supposed is. supposed to be the, like, what the Master Sword? I was having a hard time remembering what it was called. It could just be a starting sword. The Master Sword is probably still a big, giant sword. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the nice, the really cool thing about this game was there was nothing telling you which yeah. way to go. There was no hand-holding whatsoever. It really did not do what the later Zeldas did, where it kind of told you where to go and how yep. to do it. Um, which is what Breath of the Wild kind of returned the series to. It was a wide open game where you can kind of do things in whatever order you feel yep. fit. Yeah, well, a, it, the thing is, what's funny about this is that I think Breath of the Wild is the is definitely the most similar to the first game, and the the devs have said as much. But it doesn't have that like Zelda formula that everyone knows, right? Um, so it is it is very interesting how there's like there really are two 
Zeldas, but they are Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this one still has more of the Zelda style and more of the Zelda gameplay, whereas mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild has its own gameplay style, but it's yeah. more I mean, it's, what it's this is translated game is supposed to modern to be. day in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that people miss about Zelda's the dungeons, where this game had like Zelda dungeons, the Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. kind of had its oh, yeah, own well, unique yeah, take true. on dungeons. And mm-hmm. there was a lot less of them. And the items you got were more along the lines of powers you started the game with. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of differences. I, I like the uh, the uh, shrines and the the uh, Divine Beasts, though, in Breath of the Wild, because they're shorter. And I, I realize that people are going to get mad about that, but I can I can never I never have enough time to beat a dungeon in one sitting, <laughs> so I have to constantly start at the beginning. It's so freaking annoying, and I, it ends up kind of ruining the fun of the dungeons for me. Like when I actually had like so, Wind Waker was one of the first, only games that actually at the time I had time to go through the dungeons, and I enjoyed those dungeons so much because I could actually go through them at one time. Yeah. But like Twilight Princess, I oh had my to gosh. start over at the beginning. <laughs> every single time and obviously you have like the keys and stuff but you still there's so many rooms to walk through (laughs) right so the next question is um how does this game hold up i mean it's a nest game so if if you're fine with you know the top down and you know you only have like you only see so much of the screen uh, i mean it holds up really nice for that that era of game i think it looks just as good now as it did then Pixel perfect, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and if you have a Switch and you got the NES Online games, this is one of them, so you can play it that way. In my personal opinion, um, this game is a little... It's not as hard as Zelda 2 to go back to, because this still feels just, like a Zelda Just ignore game. that one. Um, I'm but, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but this game, honestly, if they were to take this game and remake it today, like they did the Link's Awakening DX, people would buy it. You know, it'd be It'd be one that people would be willing to go back and try again. But there's no reason to with the pixel perfect aspect of this. Whereas Link's Awakening was straddled to the GB, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, um, where you had a mm-hmm. smaller squared off screen that would not translate well to HD screens today. Um, this one actually has a better format for modern consoles like the Switch and the Wii U, mm-hmm. where you can play it without feeling like you're getting gypped on graphics. You know you're playing an NES game, but you don't feel like you're getting gypped on screen real estate as much as you do mm-hmm. with the Game Boy Color and Game Boy uh, versions of Link's Awakening. So in that aspect, maybe they wouldn't ever remake this game. But yeah. it is Zelda 35, so I'm curious to see if they do, like, I don't know if you've played the Mario 35 game. I've played all the games individually, but not in the 35, no. No, do you know what Mario 35 is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was... Getting confused, but yes, I know what you're talking So this about. could be a really interesting Zelda-esque minigame for the Switch. A Zelda 35. Because as you were killing enemies, you could wind up throwing an enemy onto another player's board. You know, like, and you end up with... <laughs> can you imagine? You're, like, fighting Zelda enemies, right? Like, original Zelda enemies. And all of a sudden, everybody else has sent their enemies flooding into your zone, and you're like, oh no! <laughs> I'm surrounded! <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I, I, it would be hectic and chaotic and very frustrating for me. <laughs> <laughs> or like you're in a dungeon. Like I don't know. I think Zelda's going to be a little harder to do that with. Maybe they do like a Four Swords Adventure style game where you have the ability mm-hmm. to hop into somebody else's Zelda game and play it with them. Yeah, but that'd be cool. 
Yeah. But really, what I really want from them is a compilation cart that has all of the 3D games and then also one that has all of the 2D games. All right. So Other than Breath of the Wild. They're, they're, they're only going to give you three, Will. Which three do you want on the 3D version? Oh. oh. Um, and I don't think Skyward Sword is going to be an option, but I'll, I'll leave it in the, on the table for you to decide. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I don't know. I want them all. <laughs> um, I, I, how about this? I, I will give them a pass, and I'll let them release two ga- two that I will buy. Okay, the newer three, so Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, and Wind Waker, and then the two on the N sixty four. I'll buy those separately. <laughs> well, why don't they do um, Majora's Mask, uh, Ocarina of Time, and then Link's Crossbow Training? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Oh, I'd still buy a few other two, but not Links Crossbow Training. <laughs> What's wrong with Links Crossbow Training? Come on, man! Come on, man! <laughs> no, not no. <laughs> I think that live and die on the Wii. There you go. <laughs> Have you played it? I actually, so they actually had it set up in a GameStop back when they actually had demos, um, and I played it for a couple seconds there. I own a copy of it. I know you do. You showed it to me. I think I've got every Zelda game ever made, except for I don't have the Breath of the Wild. Well, not every game. I have every console Zelda game ever made in compilations and various other ways. But like, you know what I mean. I've got. I've, I own essentially all the console games. The portables, I'm still missing some. I'm missing quite yeah, a few. I know this because I recently asked it. Like, hey Chris, can I borrow all of your portable games? And I was like, oh, yeah, I just I got Link's Awakening, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one I have. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah. So again, what they need to do is more than just three. Like, I don't understand. It's free, it's free money for them. They should just release them. The HD versions, though, not not the the originals, because I want the HD. Um, but yeah, I would totally buy them, and I would buy all the like if they just released all of the two D ones, like as is, like not updated at all. I would buy all those too. And see, the only thing I request, and this is what I said about the Mario 64 re-release, I really want them to at least put in the effort to make the games widescreen. Because if you're going to put them on an HD console, it just mm-hmm. feels weird having black bars on the sides of the game. I do not like that. Yeah. I I will take it if... I'll still take it, though. Like, as far as the Zelda games. I'm not going to do it for Mario because like I've played the Mario games and I'm just I'm still really upset they didn't give me um you know Mario 64 DS version. <laughs> I'm like if they had put that in there I would have bought that game immediately, but the fact that they didn't is just so frustrating to me. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Like imagine if they did Diddy Kong Racing and they gave you the DS version instead of the N64 version. I would be well and that one is a little bit different, different, just because you actually. That's what I think characters. it'd be worse if you got the the the, the S version. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was making. I mean, it looks nicer. Well, does it? I mean, the N sixty four version would probably look nice if they used the actual graphical settings of the game instead of the blur filter the N sixty four had. Yeah, but the thing is, like for the uh, Mario sixty four DS, like you get to play as all the characters, like you. you, you you have to release that version. It's clearly better. Like I, I definitely like Yoshi is my favorite character in the Mar- Mario series. So the fact that I can't play as Yoshi, I'm not gonna get the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Um, okay, uh, ideally, what what three 3D games come on the Mario 3D All-Stars collection? Or Mario, the Zelda 3D All-Stars collection. I mean, I would go with the three newest ones. Skyward yeah. Sword, Wind Waker, and Twilight Princess? Yeah. Um, simply because... I don't have a good reason for that, but <laughs> I think... I don't know. I don't have a good reason for it, honestly. Like, I, I mean, they I just re-released Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask on the 3DS. On the 3DS, yeah. That's that's really my only reasoning. That's my reasoning, too. I, th- I think it makes the most sense to do Twilight Princess when... And they've already remade them on the Wii U, so it'd probably be the easiest. Then again, that yep. just that deflates our logic on why they shouldn't re-release Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. I, the thing is, again, like I would buy... I would buy two of those. Like I would buy the three for sixty, and I'd buy the original two for sixty as well. So, so what if what's going to happen is here's what they're going to do. Well, they're going to make everybody mad. They're going to do Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, and Skyward Sword. They're going to skip over Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess because those are the darker, harder to upgrade yeah. to HD visuals of the bunch. Yep. Majora's Mask is probably the hardest one to play of the three because it's the most difficult due to the time constraints and it being completely different from the rest of the Zelda series. Whereas mm-hmm. Skyward Sword, Wind Waker, and Ocarina of Time are all in the same vein. They're all in the same kind of happier art style, and they all feel mm-hmm. similar. Let's put it that way. With the cell shading. That's fair. And the uh, well, Ocarina of Time is not really cell shading. Actually, that would be a beautiful game to switch to cell shading. Can you imagine if mm-hmm. they actually did that upgrade? That would be awesome. Yeah. So the Balagans, yeah, that'd be cool. <clears throat> But yeah, I, th- I think that's the most likely scenario. You end up with Ocarina. Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed. Wind Waker scales so nicely. Wind Waker scales the nicest of all the Zelda games. Uh, maybe Breath of the Wild would, but it's it just literally the graphics scale so nicely. So, <laughs> hmm. well, what about the uh, 2D games? If you have to have three of those. Hmm. Link to the Past is is a for sure given. It has to be in there yeah. if you do 2D yep, games. I agree. That one, that is my biggest the thing that made me the most mad about the, the Legend of Zelda collection. They like touted it as like all the console games on one disc. And I'm like, yeah, except a Link to the Past, dude. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. That should be on here. But I do have the cart for that on my Super Nintendo. So I really don't have a lot to complain about there. Other than it should have been on the GameCube game, but that's fine. Yep. Um, that one's got to be there. I would say since Link's Awakening has already been remade, we're not we're gonna ignore that one. Uh, probably would do Minish Cap. That one's yeah, a really yeah, great, fun. really great Zelda game. And then a third one. Maybe they finally do a Zelda Two remake, but... or they do. Um, the Oracle games. You're, you're roboting bad on my end. They got to do the Oracle games. The Oracle, Oracle okay, games. Right. Oracle games. So you would you could release both of them or just one of them? Both. You got you got to do both. You can't do just one. In fact, I would love it. No, I mean it's kind of a cop out. They, they, they play did, like individually. They, well, they should they should release an Oracle's collection and do the third game they originally planned. Cool. Legend of Zelda Oracle's collection. Yeah, might as well. If you're gonna do Minish Cap, could you do the Capcom Zelda collection? Have Minish Cap. That on would there. be freaking awesome. 
But if you just want to do something really switchable, you do um, one of the uh, Triforce Swords games. Triforce Heroes games, where you have, like, multiple... Okay. Like, for example, I have this Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes or whatever, or uh, Four Swords, Four Swords on my GameCube. Mm-hmm. Ask me the last time I played that four-player. I've never played that four-player. Never. <laughs> I would love to, but there's no way to without... You gotta have four Game Boys, four Link cables. Mm-hmm. It's not not really feasible. So, what about you? What would your two D games be? Pretty much the same as yours, except for the third one. I would say uh, a Link Between Worlds. Yeah, I, that one's kind of like in between a two D and a three D, but it's got the top down aspect to it, and it's a three DS yeah. game, one of like the premier three DS Zelda games. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I don't know. I know that. Yeah, I mean they're they're all pretty good. I would not definitely not pick Link Two. That can just be forgotten. Or Zelda there, there's Two. A, let's put it this way: there's a reason why when Atlas decided to port a game to the Switch in the Shin Megami Tensei collection, that they picked Shin Megami Tensei Three on the PS2 instead of Shin Megami Tensei Four on the 3DS, which is arguably a better game. And that's mm-hmm. because graphically, it's way harder to port a 3DS game to the Switch than it is a PS2 GameCube era game. I don't care how hard it is. <laughs> Fair enough, but I'm pretty sure that, that, that lowers your chances of it happening. So Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I know I'm not going to get what I want. They're going to release I don't know. Like you said, they're going to skip a bunch and I'm just going to be mad. What do you think, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> I think Halo yeah. Infinite takes the cake. Okay, whatever you say, yeah. Craig. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not going to tell us anything about <laughs> Zelda, I guess. So, as always, I am Chris. And I'm Will. And we will see you on next podcast. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm John, Game Trade One. And uh, if you guys did not watch the Wednesday episode where we interviewed him and learned all about him, you need to go do that now and then come back to this video later. But if you've already done that and you're one of our loyal subscribers, then here we are with a treat of a video. We're going to be talking about knockoff yeah, consoles. What do we have in the background, Chris? The is game developed by Collector Vision. Uh, is it Collector Vision? What, is there anything after the word Collector Vision? I'm sorry. Uh, Collector Vision Games. Yeah. Collector Vision Games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, John's a uh, part of that team that made this game, and it's a very cool game. So I'd like to shout that out. Go check it out if Thank you haven't you. heard of it before. The Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mayan on uh, Steam, Switch, Xbox One, and PS4. Yeah. So uh, Switch and Steam right now, currently, and then okay. it'll be uh, probably second quarter this year. We'll be releasing for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, S, and all the other. Platform, all, all of the random names that Microsoft uses to name their like, consoles. <laughs> I hate how I love the Xbox consoles, but the name whoever comes with the names to these systems, like, oh my god, <laughs> terrible! Yeah. Like Xbox One, like, oh my god, terrible! Mm-hmm. It's as bad as like the Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Hey, I love the Wii U. Nobody talks bad about the Wii U. No. <laughs> yeah, I love the console, but that's <laughs> yeah, the, the name's terrible. The name's terrible. <laughs> all right, um, so. 
if you guys didn't watch the other segments, go check them out. But today is Friday. It's the Friendly Friday. And so we have a prompt we're going to be discussing with our, our uh, new friend John at the bottom here. <laughs> Do we ever think that there will be knockoff consoles for the modern consoles we have now? So like a knockoff for the Xbox One or the PS4 or the Switch or even the Wii U. Will we ever see some other company create a version of it that is, you know, for, for lack of better terms, a knockoff version of those consoles? Are you meaning like how we have like the the million different Genesis systems that really aren't yes. Genesis? Okay. Okay. I, I think we will. I, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're but, good. Um, I, I think we will. I think, from my knowledge, I think it takes about there's a 25 year patent on a lot of the stuff. So I think honestly, I think very soon we're going to start seeing uh, N64, uh, you know, clones, right? Clone consoles. Um, and I just think. Although I think it's going to also, also, the emulation scene has really improved quite a bit in the last years, and it's always evolving. So I, I think we'll start seeing more like uh, you know single single onboard computers like a Raspberry Pi, situations like that. I think that's where most people will go play the retro games in the future. No, or something like the Polymega, right? Say again. Or something like the Polymega, right? Where it's got yeah, the Polymega is cool. Yeah, I mean, but even that's emulation. Right, because right. it, it you know downloads the, the the ROM and it emulates that that ROM or that that game, um, but I like the Polymega in the sense that you can you know you play with real carts and controller and that's cool. But there's like a on my my channel I do I cover a lot of it's called the Odroid. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's the Raspberry Pi on steroids essentially, and it's you can play anything from Dreamcast at 60 frames per second, <laughs> like uh, you can play even like GameCube now has started getting really good with emulation. So you can start playing all these games uh, all in one single area. This is this is what you're talking about, right? That's the handheld version of it. Yeah, that's the go. Um, okay. But yeah, there's actually like a, a single board computer that looks like a Raspberry Pi, but it's a bit more advanced. See, that's my take real on quick. it. You see real quick. Is this, this is it right here? The If you go down, see... This one? Looks almost looks like an N64. Yeah, uh, no, this is the Odroid one model one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one one sample of it. Yeah, so that's the there's now the N two plus, okay. but that's cool because the screen in front, like when you're playing your game, it'll show what uh, picture image of the game you're actually playing, which is cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I guess my real question is: so you, you saw the clone consoles, and you've got a ton of clone consoles from the yeah. NES, SNES, Genesis era. Um, as far as that goes, I, I think that era of gaming is is pretty much. I mean, you got forward-thinking people where you got backwards compatibility with new consoles, right? So the Xbox Series X plays Xbox One games. So there's not a lot of money in making a knockoff Xbox One at this point. Would you agree? Right now, I, I don't think there would be. I think they'd get sued. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said that kind of weird, didn't I? I meant, like, I guess maybe 20 years in the future when all these oh, machines the are broken yeah, okay. down. You know, unless Xbox continues to keep the backwards compatibility features, I think there's going to be less and less likely for people to do that. Yeah, that's true. And I think as we get, and I, you know, I'm I'm a physical guy. I prefer obviously games, physical release and stuff. But I think we're still getting like more into people playing online and, and you know mm-hmm. cloud gaming. And I just don't like when people. 20 years down the road, like, here's my gaming collection. Are they going to show, like, a hard drive and say, this is my, <laughs> yeah. this is what I've got, this is my hard drive? And, you know, like, like you guys brought up a point earlier when we are recording, like, you're, you're kind of renting those games, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. 
you don't have any ownership of those games either, technically. You know. So yeah, in the future, they're just gonna pop out their eyeball and then give it to you, and then you get to see all the games they're playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So but, I don't know. It's hard to say in twenty in twenty years. It'll be hard to say if we're gonna see like an Xbox clone. You know, I, I feel like we've already we would have already seen an original Xbox clone by now. You know, if that was the case. I think the backwards yeah. compatibility program kills a lot of the incentive to do that. Yeah, that's true. Yep. True. And I mean, now we have the Series X. That's all we really need because you can play every other game, <laughs> like not just Xbox, but Dreamcast and all the other ones too. Yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, you can. You can. Yeah, you can open. It's all open source. Yeah. Yeah. The um, you talking about the dev mode? Well, I'm sorry. On the new Xbox Series consoles, or no? I, I might have missed what you said. I think that's what you're referring to, right? The dev mode? You can play as other games? Yeah, yes. You can emu- Sorry, yeah, you, you can guys emu- all froze on my end, too. So. Oh. <laughs> well, I know that uh, John at the bottom here did a video on dev mode and how to activate it and how to use it. And that was very helpful for me because I'm thinking about picking up an Xbox Series X or S at some point in time. And yeah. that's pretty awesome. It's yeah, pretty I didn't realize easy. the freaking Xbox One has a dev mode. I had no idea. It can't do nearly as much as the Series S and X, though. Yeah, it's it's just not it's not it's as powerful. Yeah, though, like you might be able to yeah. do PS2 on a Series X, I would think, but probably not on the OG Xbox. We one. we have a PS5 dev, and I'm not really supposed to talk about it as far as what it looks like, but I can tell you it looks really awesome, and the design is phenomenal. And I wish Sony would have stuck with this design for the retail market because it's much cooler looking than the retail version of the. Maybe you can Google and find it. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we, we've we've seen a picture of it on Spawnwave's channel before. I think it's it, super cool. It almost looks like a. It could be a spaceship. That's big. It's huge. This thing. Yeah. 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 I I was hoping that they would actually release this, and then you could just dock uh, the Xbox. Actually, that looks different than what we have. Huh. Ours is like twice the size of that. And it actually has like an X. It's like a five. It's it's really cool. It's got like looks like an, a five. You got the Roman numeral X. Oh, what look up the, the original Xbox design. Original? Oh yeah, that thing. It's straight up an X. <laughs> yeah. I want this in my house in my living room. <laughs> oh yeah, man, that'd be phenomenal. Oh, I wish they had released that too. Oh man, <laughs> it's so cool looking though. Yeah. I also I want my like color that they chrome. That's awesome. I want I the, the boomerang controller from the PS3, just for no reason other than to have mm-hmm. it. You know, oh, what I'm yeah. talking about the PS3 boomerang yep. controller. That thing was oh, yeah. Maybe when we, version of it, yeah. Maybe when we get I, the I PS3 say, knockoffs, is... that would be a console worth making a knockoff version of a PS. If you could find a way to make a PS3 that had all the you know everything that the original one had. That would be worthwhile, and I would pay good money for that, especially if they designed it to last. I like, I love the PS3. It's a great console. Great. Yeah, that that boomerang controller though. Can you imagine if they had actually released this thing? Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that that was the reason I didn't get it because I didn't realize they switched back to the uh, DualShock. They didn't actually saw this in a promo. Yeah. That was a promo, yeah, the promo, right? Yeah. It's like a concept yeah. car version of the PS3. Like yeah. well, outer I, space. I saw an article on it, and all I saw was this, and I was like, that's the dumbest controller ever. I'm not going to buy that. <laughs> but you know how much it's probably worth right now if someone had to yeah, handle that? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 
So I guess to answer the question, uh, we're all throwing arms up in the air and we don't know if there's going to be knockoff modern <laughs> consoles in the future. But it's yeah. possible. It's possible. If there we only be... had a time machine, dang it. Yeah, right? Go in the future. I mean, when, when would you say, as far as knockoff consoles for SNES and stuff, when, do you, when would you say they really started popping up in your mind? Like when you started seeing them online and for sale and whatnot? For Super Nintendo? Yeah. Probably... 2012, 2011, like nine years ago, ten years ago. So it'd be around the time they hit that patent time frame where they really couldn't. Well, I know like Hyperkin is working on like an NCC4 one right now. Yeah, they got uh, that special one. I think they have something with Nintendo to do that, don't they? Yeah, I think the patent runs out or something happened. Yeah, I mean, it's funny looking back on the N64, like I wasn't a huge fan of the system back in the day. I was more of a PlayStation 1 kind of guy. But there are so many good games for the N64, and uh, there's so many good gems. I love that system now. Yeah, there it is. The Hypercan Ultra Retron is the N64 remake. Yeah, yeah. So I think because they can get away with it now because the patent's expired. I'm curious to see what Analog does then, since Analog's done those really great FPGA versions of consoles. Right. Right. That'd be pretty slick if they could get the N64 version out. You know what? Yeah. I think I think we... <laughs> This proves it. There's going to be clone consoles in the future. <laughs> the next one will be GameCube, right? Yeah. CDs. Most likely. Yeah. yeah. We just got to wait till the patents run out. Then we'll start seeing yeah. them. All right. <laughs> All right. It's going to freeze myself. I'm surprised we haven't seen a clone Game Boy yet, though, to be honest. Well, Analog Pocket. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And that, that had massive appeal. It sold out in minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Are they even selling those anymore or no? It's not out yet. It comes out in May. Oh, it's not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I need to get one of those. I haven't ordered it. Is it too late to order it? Uh, if you want to get in on the pre-order, yes. Uh, if you want to get one after it comes out, I have no idea what their supply and demand looks like. Right. Right. But yeah, this is interesting. Will's about to look this thing up to go buy one because he's a huge N64 fan like I am. So. I am. I like well, it. It's one of those things like, I really, really want this, but I also don't necessarily want to go through and buy all the games again. <laughs> it's tough. That's why I'm so such a proponent of the. I want a N64 Mini because I want all the games just out of the box. But I would be, I'd be surprised yeah. if they don't do one N64 Mini. I that will be a day one day. Like I will order that before they can even. Pre-order that. <laughs> I mean, they, they would have to include Goldeneye in it, although the with the copyrights, I'm not sure you know who owns up yeah. Jam and how that would work. Maybe they put uh, Perfect Dark in there instead. But you know, it's yeah. interesting because Rare is actually owned by Microsoft now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd be very surprised if they did include any of their Rare N64 games, which would Banjo Kazooie, um, Conkers, the, all the great N64 games probably wouldn't see the N64 Mini, unfortunately. Well, but DK64 would make it because if you look, the Wii U eShop still has it. Okay, but so at but least get racing would wouldn't right because that's that's rare. Yeah, I, love I mean they Kong did Racing. allow D, the DS version to come to the DS after the acquisition occurred because Microsoft yeah. decided that the um, portables division was not competing with Microsoft's Xbox. Yeah, they are playing nice now, so it, it's possible because like I mean like Banjo and Kazooie are in Smash and stuff, so maybe that's true. That's true. Yeah, there's hope. I would say the real stickler on the 
uh, the GoldenEye situation is either Activision or EA owns half the rights to it. It's like Microsoft and Rare own some of it. Nintendo owns some of it. And like EA or Activision, one of those bigger companies has the other half of that. So it's like you have to get like three major companies to agree to have that game ever be produced. GoldenEye. Oh, GoldenEye, yeah. Yeah, it's like tied up between three different companies. Right. I've pretty much given up on that one, even though that I, was probably the game I played the most in that system. I, I'm giving up on it. Do you remember when <laughs> I think it was EA that redid the the win for the Wii, the remake for the Wii, like it was mm-hmm. Goldeneye, but it was a different game, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't nearly as good. That game also came to the PlayStation Move, by the way. Oh, did it? I'm pretty positive. I almost bought a game set for that because it had a, it came oh. with two Move controllers. The version of Goldeneye for the PS3, I think, and it came with the gun. So it's like, hmm. Wow. And it was like a closeout sale because nobody <laughs> wanted it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, <clears throat> anything else you guys want to say about this? I think we killed it. All right. <laughs> well, as always, I'm Chris, and I'm Will. John Game Thirty One, and we will see you on next Crowcast. Bye, guys. Subscribe to Game Show 81.